Welcome to episode 188 of Coffee Pods and Wads. This episode is sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the perfect pre-workout kick before the open uh, kicks you in the throat. Uh, the Hybrid Academy, who have their socks and quarter zips launching over the weekend, uh, you can head to the hybridacademy.store now and you can use Pod 10 to save. And if you order now, you'll be looking amazingly stylish rolling around the floor by next Friday's uh, open workout. Uh, Burbox Coach Development are also on board, offering you a discount through burboxcoachdevelopment.com. If you use the code PODS, become the best coach that you can be through introspection and reflection on your practices. And as of today, Whoop are also on board. Um, I've been using Whoop for about two years now, and I love it. It tracks my recovery, my strain, my sleep, my HRV, my resting heart rate, my blood oxygen levels, um, body temperature, how restless my kids have been during the night, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's designed at helping you train smarter, recover faster and perform better, whether it's giving your best on a Thursday or peaking on a Friday during the Open or stepping out on the Coliseum floor at the games. You can head to join.whoop.com forward slash CPW if you want to join the Whoop community and you can make a saving through that link as well and also support the show. Um, and if you have one already and you want to join the show community, you can use the code COM. C-O-M-M hyphen two zero zero eight two eight. Um, that's if you go into the app and click on the little group of people down the bottom, you can enter that code and join the leaderboard for strain, recovery and other stuff uh, for the podcast. Today's guest is Matt Fraser. Uh, we chat about his love of coffee, his new book and the process of writing it, competing and dominating at the highest level. Hard work pays off, bringing on uh, Matt O'Keefe as CEO, working with Jake Marconi, coaching Mal and Jason and all of his plans for the future. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Thanks for doing this, first of all. Um, Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, usually, when people come on, I talk to them about, kind of briefly, like, skirt through coffee and move on to other things, but I feel like we're going to dwell there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you, so you have what I, I can see it over your shoulder, but you have, like, what I would consider an iconic uh, coffee setup. Yeah. Like... Yeah. So Steve Steve Fawcett from JST was at your house like about two months ago or whatever, and he just put up a picture, and I could just see the corner of a cup, and I replied, and I was like, Fraser's house. <laughs> and he was just <laughs> like, he was like, how the fuck did you know that? I was like, that setup's iconic. Like that's yeah. you know you see that a lot. Um, I was curious about your like your first coffee. Did you drink Did you drink coffee like? growing up or was it something that you found when you were like mid twenties, late twenties? No, no, I definitely drank it growing up. Um, and it wasn't until probably mid twenties that I realized how bad the coffee was that I was drinking. Um, I, I specifically remember the first cup of good coffee I ever had. And it, and, and by good, I mean like the actual coffee itself was good. It wasn't mm. just, uh, like a delicious sugary drink. You know, I've, obviously had those um but it was o'keefe sammy and i were all over in australia and their their breakfast game oh, is yeah. second to none and and you know ordered i was like hey can i get uh just a coffee and they were like, like what, what do you mean and and so they gave i got a what they called a long black and it was just like equal parts espresso and water like uh basically uh, an Americano, not yeah, yeah. quite as diluted down. And I remember taking a sip and kind of, a, I asked, I asked the waitress, I was like, what is this? Like, and she was like, what are you talking about? It's coffee. 
And, uh, and it was just like, it was just a flavor profile that I'd never had before, you know, and I, I was under the impression that, you know, espresso was basically like just condensed coffee. And then in that moment realized like, oh, that's not it at all. And so as I got home from that trip and, and was really looking into, you know, a good home espresso setup and had no idea where to start. I didn't know what was good, what was bad, what, and uh, got linked up with a guy who was super helpful. He was a distributor for rocket. And, right. and he, I was, he basically put a kit together for me. Um, and, you know, like I had to purchase it and it was, oof, it was tough to justify. Um, especially like, I don't know if I'm even going to enjoy this. And, yeah, yeah. uh, and, you know, I remember he he sent me links for like the the espresso machine grinder scale cups the everything that went with it the whole kit and being and I remember saying like hey like I'll just buy the coffee machine like I already have a grinder and it was like a twenty dollar grinder off Amazon and I was like ah I, I don't need the scale you know it's two hundred bucks I I can't swing that and he thankfully he was like no you need all of these other things and. Uh, and so, you know, like had that, had that for years, um, it was served its purpose really well, but then I wanted to get more, more involved in it and have kind of more control over all the variables. And so that's when I got this, uh, the Lamarzico GS3, I got the MP. So, you know, it's a manual paddle, so you can play with the pressure. Um, it's just another variable that you can toss in, but then, uh, the, the grinder I started with was, uh, super jolly, just a brute of a grinder, but then. Uh, this other grinder is really cool. It connects to an app. And, uh, and so through the Mars I have a espresso subscription. So a coffee, different coffee beans every month. And the, the really good thing about it is it comes with a recipe card of like, Hey, so dose 19 grams, look for okay. a 30 second pull. You're going to extract 35 grams. Like it gives you the recipe that they've already figured it out for that bean. So you're not having to play around with it, but this new grinder, um, has that integrated into it so you download the app and they have like all the different beans they've tested so whatever bag of beans you buy you can look it up in the app and there's recommendations on on how to pull it um so super super cool uh but yeah you know it's just one of those things i got into early on and and uh you know it's really really tough to justify because it's a big investment cost um yeah but then once you're hooked you're like oh, okay this is like you're starting your day with a smile every morning. Like it's just like coffee better than you can get from any local shop. And you know, it's, it's like a handcrafted treat every single morning. Yeah. I see. We have like, uh, you're talking about controlling variables. I can control like zero variables on my <laughs> machine. So I have like, I have a sage barista. I think you have, it's like the Breville. It's like the really common Breville one you see. Around yeah, yeah, state, yeah. I think, um, so yeah, I get like all I watch is a needle because if I time it, no point. If I look, I can't control the pressure. So I'm just looking at the needle to make sure it's in the range or whatever. And some like if you get, I'm just thinking of your grinder. If if I get a new bag of coffee, I could go through like seven, eight goes before I'm like, okay, I'm getting close to right now. Because you change, then you're like, oh, I've fucking overcorrected, and then yeah. you're like, oh, it's really frustrating. Well, so that that happened with my first machine. Um, you know, got, got the machine, got it all set up. And, you know, it's like, it, it's cool too, because it, it's like a showpiece. It's, it's a feature in your kitchen. Um, yeah. They're, they're beautiful. And I remember I, I went to the local coffee roaster and 
I think I got two two pounds of coffee and and get them back and I I'm like, oh, you know, this coffee's gonna be perfect. You know, I, it's a beautiful machine, great grinder, and first shot and it was like battery acid. And so I'm like, oh, like can't it hurts to put in your mouth. The, mach- the and, machine's broken. <laughs> and uh, well, I I was like, oh, there there must be something inside the tank for when this machine's yeah. sitting on the shelf for however long. And yeah. uh, and I did it again and again and again. And by the end of it, like I went back to the store, got two more bags of coffee, and I'm I'm like four pounds of coffee in, and like. You're getting good coffee, you know, it's 18, 20 bucks a bag. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm 70, 80 bucks in so far and I'm gotten shit for coffee. And, and I finally went back to the roaster and I was walked into the roasting room and I was like, Hey, I like, I've gone through four bags of this already. What am I doing wrong? And he was like, Oh, well, what's, what's it taste like? I'm like, it tastes like a battery. It feels like I'm taking a sip out of a car battery. Like what? And he was like, what are you dosing? I was like, uh, 16 grams. He was like, try 17. And I, I left and I was all, all upset. I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot, buddy. That uh, great input. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, get home, put an extra gram of coffee. Like a gram of coffee is like a couple beans, maybe totally different flavor. It was like, it went from undrinkable to delicious. And it, that's, that's when like, the emphasis on how important all those little variables are. Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh shit. One gram of coffee made the difference between can't even pretend to enjoy it to like, this is an amazing <laughs> cup of coffee. Yeah. I remember I did, uh, I did like a, a home coffee, like workshop thing once and they set up, they did like a coffee cupping um, mm. at it. and they set up all these cups and they didn't tell us what was in all the cups and they were like number them and then you had to you had to number them by your favorite but then there's something else you had to fill in like what you could taste on each mm-hmm. one or something i am i am shit at like t- i like other people were like oh blueberries and i was like coffee and then the next <laughs> thing they were like oh raspberries like coffee again like nice coffee I've, but it's coffee i've definitely had had those instances where like you look at the bag and they have all the flavor profiles <laughs> and then yeah i'm I'm wondering, I'm like, were they just throwing random fruits on here? Like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, good, good taste of plums. I'm like, what? How, how did you get that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just tastes, it tastes like an African coffee. It just yeah. tastes like coffee. Um, but yeah, then at the end, there was like, there was three. I remember it was like 11, 12 and 13, the cups. And they tasted like absolute shit, like so bad yeah. of shit. Like, like you were, because all the way along, you were getting such a nice treat yeah. every time. I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know what it tastes like, but it tastes nice. And then it was like, oh, wow, that's even better than the last one. And they deliberately made them get better and better. And then like 11 was fucking Maxwell House or something. Mm. And like, you were like sipping it and you were like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. They were like, you know, it was just horrible. And then the next one was, like I think actually 11 was like something. Starbucks. The next one was Costa and the last one was uh, Maxwell House. And it just got progressively worse. And they were like, oh yeah, it's because it's a darker roast. And they were explaining all the differences. And I was just like, well, I'm never having a coffee from any of those places again. Yeah. That was just, it was decided. Yeah, I remember then. like moving in, moving into my first dorm, uh, like living on your own and like bought a... Like I went to the grocery store and I just bought like a giant plastic tub of Folgers. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the coffee everyone drinks. And I remember making a cup and I was like, I can't drink. This is so bad. I can't, I can't even choke it down. Uh, 
Yeah, I remember my dad used to get me to make him coffee uh in the evenings when he like he was a farmer and when he come in he'd say like oh make me a cup of coffee i can't remember what happened but i remember i was pissed off at him for something i don't know what it was so i made him he used to always drink maxwell house and i remember putting seven teaspoons of <laughs> like the maxwell house in he didn't even fucking notice i was so <laughs> like i was or like part of me thinks like he did it was just like i'm fucking not yeah he's like i'm not gonna off. give you the gratification <laughs> he's like grunting his teeth and just necking it like yeah um so uh, moving on to, to podcast then, um, so you were on um, with Savannah and Matt for a long time and I remember one story in particular that you guys talked about that stood out for me was you were talking about like bad podcast experiences. Um, I think it was like Josh brought it up and you were kind of echoing, you both kind of more or less said the same thing of like, I suppose you kind of fall into a, a a trap of niceness maybe i've just been like yeah sure i'll do it and then anticipating everyone is going to put in a similar amount of effort i suppose but like yeah it, it, i suppose those instances i'm assuming are getting apart from obviously this is the exception but i'm assume, assuming those instances are getting less and less and it's it's getting to there's a certain standard being met before you're on i suppose um yeah i think i think it's there's probably a couple things into that you know um you know, like I, I've listened to podcasts with friends and, you know, there's, there's the host's job and, and some people just aren't good at generating conversation or, you know, fill in dead space, whatever it is. So there's that. Um, I think the big thing too, is just the mood of the person getting, getting interviewed. Um, mm. And, and if like, if you do a podcast and you just happen to, being a bad, but like you had an interaction three minutes before you went live, it can really, really affect uh, the conversation. And then it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, that, that spotlight, that little flash of that person's life that the public is getting to see they're, you know, I'm trying to think how to word this. It's their, their mood at the moment is what's getting reflected as their personality. Yeah, and it's yeah. like if somebody's just in a bad mood for an hour and then it's recorded and, and then people just assume, oh, that's how they are all the time. Um, so, you know, th there's a couple of different things like that. Um, but, you know, and then and then there's the side of the conversation for the person getting interviewed. You know, um, some people just aren't good at, it. you know, you ask a question expecting a conversation. And you just get a yes or no answer in return. And it's kind of like, yeah, I've been there. All right. Well. I guess we'll move on to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like sliding your finger down the list. Yeah. Be like, please God, let one of these jump yeah. out. <laughs> um, were you surprised uh, with Matt, Josh, and Savannah, like how much it took off and how, like, because it kind of, there was kind of like an episode and then after another while there was another episode and then all of a sudden it was just like, as f well, from, from my viewpoint, basically everyone was talking about it really quickly yeah no I, I wasn't really surprised by it um you know i i consider the three of us fun people we're all interesting in our own ways um and savan is great at what he does you know he is great at uh creating conversation um and he's not he's not afraid to talk about things that are controversial but it's a lot of the stuff that people are interested in hearing about um, so, you know, Savon, Savon's great at what he does. Um, and Josh is legit one of the funniest people and has some incredible life experiences that, 
contribute to great conversation. So I, I wasn't really too surprised to see that, you know, it went well. Um, you know, it just became a matter of lining up all three of all three of yeah. our schedules at, at once became it, it got really, really difficult. Um, you know, especially once uh, Josh is in one time zone, I'm in another Savan's in another. Um, and then, you know, Josh and I just have so many, so many different projects going on. Mm-hmm. So it's just trying to coordinate all these different aspects of your life. It just got, it just got to the point that it was kind of, it just wasn't as enjoyable, but it, it was, it was yeah. a lot of fun while it lasted. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody suffered with like, I know Matt is still, or Josh is still with him and then he's got his own show. Yeah. That's like just fucking blown up huge as well. Um, one of the projects that I assume you were working on throughout is your book. Yeah. Um, so I'm, a, I'm, I am not a reader, so I'm a teacher, so I should be. Because I'm always saying to the kids, like, oh, it's really, really important that you read. Yeah. And then they're like, do you read? And I'm like, it's really important that you read. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to end up like me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm what you don't want to be. If you can't do, teach. Um, so I'm about halfway through. Uh, so I made a commitment this year that I was going to read a book a month. And I've read a half of two books. And we're halfway through February. So I need to finish off the two. See, I was reading... Um, I was reading another book and then this one came and I was like, oh, fuck it. I like, this looks, this, yeah. one, this looks more interesting. So I'll read this one. And then now I'm halfway through that one. But yeah, I've, I've, the pressure's on now to the end of February. February's a short I'll, one as well. I'll, I'll check in on you in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was curious, um, like the pro, the process of writing it. So I suppose, first of all, like, did Spencer approach you? Is this something that you knew you wanted to do and you were looking for someone to work with? Or how did it, how did the, how did it all initiate, I guess? Huh. That's actually a good question. Um, I don't, I, I want to say maybe Spencer reached out to me first. You know, I, I've known Spencer for years now. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. always kind of been in the space. I've, I've done, um, you know, I've done a lot of articles with him. And, you know, he was somebody that early on did an article and, you know, I love the, the end, end product. Um, and so it was any time after that, he was like, Hey, I'm doing a write up for men's health or I'm doing write up for, you know, wh- whatever publication. And as soon as he asked, I was like, yeah, like you're so enjoyable to work with. You're great at what you do. Um, that it wasn't really much of a question and there, there was a lot of trust there. And so when, when this offer came up, uh, you know, and, and Spencer was willing, willing to help with it. I was like, yeah, like the trust is there. I'm, I'm all in. And so, you know, that obviously just nonstop phone calls, but then he, he came when we lived in Tennessee, I think he came and stayed with us for a week or so. And it, we just sat at the kitchen table and he put a recorder in the middle of us. And, and it was basically like four or five days of just all day, just telling stories, going through like basically just a live dialogue back and forth, but from like sun up to sundown. I remember like at the end of day one, you know, it was a good conversation. You look at your clock and you're like, holy shit, it's already 5 PM. Um, but then it was just like your throat is sore and you're like, Oh my God, I've been talking for eight hours. Um, and then basically we do that and he just has a, you know, 40 hours worth of me just talking nonstop. And he, 
puts it all on paper and then we kind of go back and forth of reading, doing the revisions, you know, trying to pick up all, all the errors that you can. So it, before it goes to final print, but um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a longer process than I thought. And then especially once I handed it off, once, once all the onto paper was done and then we handed it off and then it was kind of like just out of your hands for, quite a while until the publisher is like, Hey, here's your finished copy. Here you go. And you're like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> was it, in, was it an enjoyable process? Oh, very, like, are you, very it, enjoyable. Um, and it was, how would you classify yourself as a nostalgic person? Like, Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much. So, um, yeah. So it was a really, really enjoyable process. I think, I think in, in the swing of it, um, it was kind of nerve wracking. Um, because I'm thinking like, 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 who's going to read this? Who, like, what do they want to hear me talk about? Or what do they want to read mm -hmm. about? What aspect of my life? And then, and then there's just always that self-doubt of like, man, like, who's going to want to read this? Like, do like, I must think I'm special that I, like I'm writing a book about myself. Yeah. Um, but then, and then the immediate feedback of just people raving about it and like, immediately being like we want more and you know the the book itself there's so many different things covered um that almost immediately after like the pre-sale and i want people started getting their hands on the copies and you know getting that feedback was really really encouraging so so now i'm just like okay you know i'm just collecting all all the all the data all the feedback to see what parts people loved, what parts people didn't care for, what parts people didn't like. Um, and, you know, we both, Sam and I both have, have this experience now of going through the process. Like Sammy's book is coming yeah. out shortly. Two, two authors in that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we've both gone through the process now and, and I don't think for either of us, it's a one and done scenario. This is like anything else where, yeah. all right, we did our first crack at it. I, I would say for both of us, it was, it was a great success but we're both walking away from it of our, how can we do the next one better? You know? And so we're just collecting, collecting that data of like, all right, for the next one, how can we do an even better job? You know what? And, and give, give customers, fans and users the best experience. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been fun. It's been interesting hearing the feedback. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, I'm excited for, for you to finish. I would love to hear your thoughts on it, but, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm halfway through and I fucking love it because I think it's, it's like, I feel like it's written for someone like me who maybe doesn't like, I think it bridges the gap between someone who's like, I read a book every like eight days. And then mm. someone who's say, I don't read a lot. And it's like, it's enjoyable that it's, there's a story and then there's like a logic, a logical reason why the story is being told was it. There's like a linear mm -hmm. like timeline yeah. and then, but there's also like, Ooh, look, there's a picture and like a workout <laughs> and I can think about the workout and I can think about what it will be like. And then I'm back to the, to another story. You know, it's not like just a long slog of yeah, stories yeah. You, and you, it's not just like good for, picture after picture. You, you feel good about yourself when you sit down and you're like, I read 30 pages today and then nobody has to, <laughs> yeah. nobody has to know that five of the pages were yeah, pictures yeah. and five were yeah, just it was like ro rowing technique and <laughs> um you like i know like just from hearing you speak and stuff that you're not someone who like half asses things or I try not to you know like uh yeah so like was it difficult to say like 
okay that's finished i'm happy with that or does your trust in spencer account for a lot of that like because it must be hard to say i suppose like i imagine writing a story especially when you're going back that far and you're going back to you know you went all the way back to like you know weightlifting everything is in there so it's kind of like it must be hard to be like all of those details are definitely correct and Mm. i'm not going to like piss anyone off and then also be like i'm happy with all of those stories being told i'm happy with the way they're being told and then that's just me and i'm not that much of a perfectionist i'm not someone who's like you know all in on it on something when i'm doing it Uh, like apart from this probably (laughs) but like you i know you are like that with pretty much everything so it's kind of like it must be hard to just say yep tick that's done i'm happy with that uh yes and no um so you know it's like, like anything else uh making sure that you're working with people that you trust is is yeah. so important um and you know i've i've had the mistakes of putting trust in people that did not have my best interest in mind and and you pay the consequences for that um you know, in in the instance where like you're opening up and be and being vulnerable to somebody and telling them, you know, whether it's stories or emotions, whatever it is, and they know it's terrible for you to share that information, but it gets them recognized, it gets their name yeah. out there. So, you know, I've had enough of those those mistakes where I was like, okay, you know, I'm making sure I trust the people that I work with. And Spencer is one of those people. Um, so even if something, you know, came out the wrong way, um, he's not excited because now he has some clickbait stuff that's going to make yeah, me yeah. look bad and put him on the map. No, like that's not a concern. Um, but like anything, it can always be better. Always like, like anything. No, nothing is perfect. Nobody does anything perfectly. There's going to be mistakes and always room for improvement. It's always about progress, not perfection. And, yeah. and so with, with the book, it was the same thing of, all right, there's only so many times I can proofread it. There's only so many people I can send the manuscript to and ask them to proofread it. And, you know, and, and, you know, it just becomes a game of diminishing returns. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we, we put in full effort. We, we genuinely did our best to make sure everything was perfect, correct, honest, everything. And, and like anything, it's, uh, there, there's going to be mistakes that you find out after the fact. And, and so th- there's been a couple of those, you know, little, little typos here and there, just like there's a little piece that, uh, you know, just, just little errors. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's, two or three that people have pointed out and, and there's nothing you can do about it except correct it for the next time. So, you know, we send, send it to the publisher of like, Hey, this, this got found a little tweak here, a little tweak there. Um, and so, you know, just always, always striving, striving for perfection, knowing that I'm never going to reach it. But in the moment when a mistake gets or a typo gets printed into the book, there's no point dwelling on like, Oh Hmm. shit, there's a mistake. It's like, okay well, what steps can we take to, to make sure it's better for next time? So for the next run of books, there's the corrections got sent over and you, you can't correct what's already out there. Um, and thankfully they're, they're just little things and one involved uh, somebody else's name. And so, you know, I, I, I did what I could. I, I was, I was genuinely sorry. And I made sure that they, that they heard that and that they understood that like, Hey, it was nothing malicious. It just, 
it was just the story got told and, you know, it got missed, you know? Um, so uh, making sure the intent is there, that the trust is there. And then when, when you make up promptly admit it and then make the correction. So uh, hmm. thankfully there's nothing, there's nothing big, you know, there's no uh, crazy misinformation. It was just little, little typos. Yeah. Um, I, cause I know when you were competing that you were like, vehement about not sharing what you were doing mm-hmm. and that there was like a level of secrecy around what you were doing is there any like trepidation around say writing a book and then uh, like obviously there's plans to write a second one about being like well shit how do i want to share things with people who aren't on the program you know like is there a, is there a, a wariness about oversharing like no no like when when i was competing um you know i genuinely viewed like basically all of my competitors as a threat and and I, I realized early on that like everyone's going hard in the gym, everyone's training their hardest. Um, and, and so what, what can I do to separate myself? So, you know, there were little things about my sleep schedule, my diet, my mental state, how I approach things like, oh, excuse me. Um, all these little things that I held very close to my chest because I didn't want to tell my competitors my game plan, you know, like I never never posted what workouts I was doing because I look kind of like, do you think the, what, whatever franchise is your favorite, do you think they're videotaping their practices and then putting it out to show off this new trick play that they have or this new secret that they found? Uh, you know, and, and so I, I took cues from other sports of like, no, I'm not going to share what I'm doing. Why would, like, why would I help my competitors? I, I watch their stuff like a hawk to see, what they're doing and and it's it's astonishing the amount of competitors that found this new cool tool that they're using in the gym and they post about it to show off because they they care about the instagram likes the comments they want the praise of like wow you you found a new secret and i pay attention to that and if i saw something that somebody else was doing that i thought was great i'm yeah i'm going to try i'm going to see if it has room in my training um but as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, well, yeah, like I want to help out. I want all rising tides, you know, or, what is it? Mm. Tides rise all ships. Yeah. Rising tides. Rising, rising tides yeah. rise all ships. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll share. I'll try to help out with, with people. If, um, you know, I'm sure there's things in there for the competitors that, that they can grab something. Um, but I'm hoping more for like the every everyday gym goer that's just trying to better themselves. If they can take um, little little things that I I apply to a very very high level, you you can apply those same things to your day to day, and hopefully see some benefit. Um, so I feel uh like the book and the other interviews you've done and like articles that have been written about you have, I suppose like delved really deep into like loads of different like parts of your your athletic career and your competitive career so i'm kind of i'm not gonna like go through it like in a regimented <laughs> fashion i'm kind of going to dip in and out because i just feel like i feel like you must be just kind of just weary about talking about all the specific things so i try to pick things that maybe might not have been asked as regularly or oh, like things boy. that i haven't heard okay you talk about myself all right what you anyway. got for me um so i was curious like you started off like with like weightlifting and then you were kind of training weightlifting in a crossfit gym and then like started doing crossfit competitions that kind of stuff like when i found crossfit first 
my image of you was in a concrete basement on your own, like just I assume in silence with just the sound <laughs> of your breath and like uh at what point did it become that and like did something happen like was it like a gradual shift of was that always going on in the background and then it just became that became the foreground we'll say or was there a point in time where you were just like fuck this I don't need anyone else like I have the information that I as in like I don't need a group around me I don't need you know that that kind of noise or whatever I can get my programming and I can get my experts and I can just do it myself like no I mean I I really really do enjoy like when you have a good training partner it's phenomenal you you're you're just feeding yeah. off each other um but i also i i saw the silver lining of the other extreme of training only by yourself of you know you're never contingent on sharing equipment you're not waiting on someone else's schedule you're not having to if if the person you're training with is just having a bad day and they're not in it it's going to negatively affect your training day um so, you know, I saw the silver lining. I saw the benefit of both extremes of having top-notch training partner. But then I also saw the benefit of like training by myself. Um, you know, your, your efficiency, your productivity is through the roof. And then you never have to cater to someone else's strengths or weaknesses. You know, I'm always trying to train my weaknesses. Um, and so when you, when you have a training partner, you're trying to do equal parts, benefit for them, benefit for you. Um, but if you're by yourself, you can be selfish. Um, you get, you get to have first dibs on all the equipment. You get to dictate what time you go to the gym, what time you leave, when, how far, how much time in between workouts, uh, what movements you're doing, everything. Um, so, you know, I've, I've done both extremes. I've trained with a coach with eyes on me full-time and a full-time training partner. And then I've done multiple seasons where, um, you know, I trained by myself, no training partners, no coach, no nothing. Um, and then I've also had it too, where I used like basically like a, a plethora of training partners where not a single one of them is competitive in, in the overall scheme, but one is a phenomenal runner. One is a phenomenal weightlifter. Yeah. One is in, has an incredible engine and, and basically cherry picking like, Hey, do you want to squat with me? Hey, do you want to row with me? Hey, do you want to hit this Metcon with me? Um, and, and so, you know, I, I've trained every different variety, uh, that, that you can throw out there basically. And, uh, there's, there's pros and cons to them all. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I found what, what I liked, what I didn't like. And I tried to, as the years progress, try to modify my training setup to, to accommodate that. And is that so when you were with say Shane and Tia was that kind of the happy marriage of you could train together it wasn't a male training partner so I assume that made it a bit like easier when you're it's not a direct mm -hmm. competitor I suppose and then also you're kind of training together some days not you're on your own other days is that was that kind of the perfect balance of all the things yeah you know I, I've had a couple different setups that that I really enjoyed um you know like when I when I trained um you know, when I worked, worked with Ben and like, and Katrin, um, I would, you know, we would link up every couple of weeks. I would, I would take a trip down yeah. to Boston, you know, every, every couple of weekends. And, you know, I, I found the benefit of that of, you know, I would go, I looked at it like, all right, I'm going to go to my lab and I'm going to try to like work on all these different things. And then every, every other weekend I show up to show up to that gym 
catcher and I throw down and I'm keeping notes on, you know, what, what did I really excel in? What did catcher and kick my ass in? What, what did, um, hmm. and then, and then I would take that information, go back, modify my next two weeks of training and then, uh, test it again. Um, when training, training with, with Tia, a lot of times it was, you know, we'd meet up some, sometimes we'd meet up for morning and afternoon session. Other times we'd meet up for morning and then I would do my afternoon session at home, whatever it was. But, uh, the common theme through my whole career is I, I, I found it very beneficial to, to train with top level females. Um, you know, really enjoyed it because it's, it's a good milestone of like, all right, as long as we're finishing within, you know, ballpark of each other, uh, I know I'm pushing the pace. I know I'm giving it my all, mm. but at the same time, it's, it's not ever crushing your confidence if you get your ass kicked. And then it's like, Oh my, it's every day is a competition, but it's a competition without high stakes. And so you can use it as a learning mm. experience, but it's not crushing your mental side. If you lose a couple workouts. Mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ben and Catherine there. And so when you were going up, like, because uh, I know he, he like he was your coach, and then at, would you have considered him your coach at that time when you were going back and changing your training, so, or just kind of someone that you worked so, with? I guess? So this is one thing that I've I've touched on a little bit, um, but never really gone too much in depth um, with with people putting the stamp of coach, athlete, whatever it is. It, it comes down to your personal interpretation of what a coach is. Um, so I came from yeah. weightlifting and I had a very, very dedicated coach where six days a week, every training session, you did not lift the bar without his eyes on you. You did not complete a, a single lift without some form of critique. Um, and as soon as you went up in percentage and you had a lift that wasn't perfect or wasn't what you're looking for, pull back the weight, strip weight off, do it again. Um, and so, you know, that was my interpretation of a coach of somebody that they wrote my programming, they had eyes on me every single day while they're doing it. It was an open line of communication. Um, you know, they, the coach knows how I'm feeling physically, how I'm feeling mentally, what I'm dealing with in my day-to-day -day life. Like they know me like the back of my hand. Um, and so, so often you see you know, I, I would change up my terminology just for simplicity's sake of having to explain the dynamic of uh, my relationship with whoever I was calling my coach. And and through through my cross career, I've had people that I do consider my coach, and then I've had people that I'm like, ah, uh, you know, they they were a programmer. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I don't look at somebody that sends me an Excel spreadsheet as my coach, like they're, they're a programmer. They, they deserve praise. They're helping me. They're doing a great job of what they're doing. But my definition of what a coach is, is much different. Um, and so, I mean, I've, who, who would you, uh, no, I, I don't want to get had. into that. Uh, because it, I mean, there, there's nothing productive that comes from that. It, it, like, you know, if, if, if I did work with somebody and they looked at me as their athlete and thought that I would talk to them about them as, yeah. as their coach, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to, you know, I don't know, bring up anything otherwise. Um, but you know, I've, 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 I honestly don't think I've had a bad experience with somebody, you know, I've worked with, I've worked with yeah. people that 
um, you know, I saw the benefit of working with them. I thought like, okay, you know, this is going to be great. But then I saw their interactions with other people or I saw their track record with other, with other people. And so I was like, okay, I see, I see something that great that you have to offer, but I don't love everything else. So I'm just going to keep this relationship at an arm's length. Um, so that, that, so that nobody gets hurt. Um, and is, is it hard if you're working with someone like obviously taking into account that things obviously worked out pretty well for you, uh, through your career, like the decisions that you made, but like, is it, is it, is there any angst of like, or fear of like, fuck, what if I'm making a wrong call here? Or like, do you just have to kind of go with it? No, of course. There's always the, the fear of not doing the right thing. Um, you know, you start relying on someone for, for an information or looking at them as the professional there, there's a lot of trust there of that. What they're saying is correct and it's going to benefit you. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure I've been in that situation before, but, but I think with dealing with anyone on any, most topics, it's keeping an open line of communication and uh, being able to look at things very objectively and take emotion out of it. And, and just being totally honest, keeping an open line of communication, not letting, um, you know, bad feelings or resentments build up. Um, as long as your intent is correct, it's, um, not as likely that like things will go sour. Um, you know, if somebody, you can have the exact same situation, um, where it's kind of like a bad result, but if depending on the intent, it's like, oh, it's justified to get angry or you're just like, ah, don't worry about it. You didn't mean it. It's fine. Um, so with, with anyone that I've ever worked with, I tried to keep a very, very open line of communication so that uh, my expectations, you know, just the expectations of both people in the relationship are very clearly defined. And and then, you know, you can kind of work together, play to play, play to each other's strengths and weaknesses and to get the best result. Yeah. Um did you enjoy like training? Like do you cuz like it's, it's it's a job. So I assume it's kind of different than say me going and training, but I know that you did uh like an internship or whatever with with engineering and that you kind of that seems to have made up your mind of like I'm going to like really go all in on CrossFit yeah. and just see what happens. So obviously that's like you know, an alternate universe there, you became an engineer and you just did like an hour of CrossFit a day maybe yeah. to keep fit or whatever. And like instead CrossFit became your job and training became your job and being coached and being programmed for and being in the basement on your own and being with groups and stuff. Like, do you enjoy, is it like, cause I just can't, I can't figure enjoying it when it's so <laughs> demanding. Well, cause I've heard you, I've heard you talk before about like no weddings, no bachelor parties no holidays mm-hmm. no like that it, your whole all your free time is condensed into your off season and only a segment yeah. of your off season because then you have to get ready for the next season so like di- like did you enjoy your job before you retired oh yeah i mean i mean like like were, were there days that were tough were there painful moments were there you know trials and tribulation like yeah of course it's you're you're still living life as you're doing it um but like I, I got to exercise for a living. Um, so, you know, the stakes are high. Um, there's a lot of pressure 
internally, there's a lot of pressure coming in from outside, you know, outside opinions. Um, you know, it's, it's a competition. Like people are trying to make their career by making you lose. And so the, the stakes are high. Um, but I, I got to exercise for a living. It's fucking incredible. It's awesome. Um, you know, where, where there are chunks of the day where I'm, I'm working on something that's frustrating or I'm working on a weakness that's just crushing my self-confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like the process itself and like you surround yourself with, with people that you love and support you and that you enjoy spending your time with and, you know, they're pushing you to reach limits that you, you didn't know you could reach. I wouldn't trade that shit for the world. It was, it was incredible. Um, I still love it. Uh, you know, it's like, even now my arena has changed, but life's the same. You know, we, we work, we work our fingers to the bone. We work our asses off. We make sure that we're proud of the, of the effort we're putting in. We make sure that we're, we're applying the effort to something that we love. You know, um, what, what was it? It was like uh, applying applying effort to something that you don't care about is called stress. And it was like, oh, okay. So, you know, like, yeah, there, there were high pressure uh, scenarios, but they weren't all stress. A lot of them were just high pressure. You know, you're just nervous. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, you have to spend all day in the gym. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of shit that can go wrong. Uh, but you make make sure you surround yourself with people that don't care about the placement. They don't care if I get first or last. You know, I'm coming home to the same hug. I'm coming home to the same love every every day. So, yeah, you can't you can't ask for much more than that. Hmm. Um, you retired uh, after the 2020 games. Um, I was curious, like part of me thinks that it was a perfect send off because it was so unique and it's like never happened before. It will probably, hopefully never happen again. That, that kind of a weird yeah. game scenario has to happen. Um, but then I was also thinking of you at the games last year, watching it and watching the bright lights and the stadium and the like full crowd. Like, is there any kind of like, when you're at the games last year, was there any kind of like, oh shit, it would have been nice if there was like thousands of people cheering when I won the last one. No, no. I mean, I mean the, my, my last year competing, it was definitely unique. Um, you know, it was unfortunate that, that, that was, uh, the atmosphere that we were in. We were very fortunate that we had people that were, you know, passionate about it and, and, didn't care about the obstacles that were put in our way. They, they made it happen. They gave us mm. an opportunity to, to show off our, our year. Um, they, they made it work and, and not, not a single person could justifiably argue if they didn't, you know, if, if they got to, to the date that they were planned on how, holding the competition, they're like, sorry, the state's not allowing us to, to gather or it's not say whatever it is. Nobody can justifiably say that they did something wrong. Um, but thankfully they, they made it work. It was it ideal. No, fuck no, absolutely not. Um, but, but they made, they made it work and they put on a great show doing it. Um, mm. but for me hitting the finish line immediately, Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking, thinking about this, uh, hitting the finish line and going over, giving, giving O'Keefe, a hug um you know that's that right there was 
very important to me. And then finding out that Sammy was there as well. Um, and for, for the last event, they allowed each competitor to bring, to have a plus one. And I don't think I saw Sammy before the event. I just saw her or somebody pointed her out to me after they're like, yeah, Sam, Sammy's over there. And so I remember like, I turned to Dave and like, we weren't allowed to interact with him. And I turned to Dave and said, Hey, can, can I go, can I go see Sammy? And he was like, yeah, make it quick. And so I ran over and, and so I, I got to see, <clears throat> sorry. Um, no, I got, got to see the two people that have been by my side every fucking year. You know, O'Keefe was there with me my rookie year. Um, you know, I met Sammy, mm. uh, you know, during the 2015 season. But, um, you know, the two people that have been there with me, not just for the good times, but for the bad ones. And they and they're the ones that when I wasn't strong enough, they they propped me up to make me believe I was strong enough. And uh, so, you know, I saw the two people there that that have been on the whole journey with me, the two people there that knew that was my last event. Um, so they knew I was, I was retiring after that. Um, so, you know, th that, that was the important part. That was, uh, that, that was what was important to me. Would it have been nice to hit the finish line of big roaring crab? Yeah, absolutely. But, but that, that's just playing a game of what if, and you know, there's a million and one things that what if, what if this was better and that was better and this was ideal. Um, yeah. but you know, the, the people I love and care about were, were there. And, uh, so I got to share that moment with them. Yeah, that's cool. I got this one as well. That was nice. Um, at what point did you know you were going to retire then? And at what point did you like verbalize it out loud? Um, <laughs> so I I claimed my retirement uh, about a probably five days after the 2019 games. Um. I I heard I heard this story from someone yeah. else, but I'm keen to hear. Yeah, I had, uh, had a phone call with uh, with somebody, and you know they're asking, like, "Hey, how you doing? You know, what's your plan for next season?" Bubble, kind of going on, and and I remember saying, like, I remember being caught off guard, and I remember like I remember where I was. I was sitting on my dock and just enjoying a cup of coffee, looking at the lake, and, uh, and you know they're they're. We, we had a full conversation, then they're rattling on about next season, and I I kind of was like, whoa, whoa, to 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 no, I'm, I'm done. And they're like, what, what do you mean? And I was like, no, dude, I'm, I'm retired. I'm done. And I remember like, like earlier that morning, maybe my dad asked me something. I was like, no, I'm packing her in. I'm good. And, uh, and he's, and both, both these people were kind of like, what? Like they'd never had a hint of this. And, uh, and so, and then, and then my phone rings, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes later and it's O'Keefe. And, uh, and I, I can tell whenever somebody was around me that sent something was wrong, they immediately text O'Keefe like, Hey, call Matt, something's wrong. And, uh, and I can always tell when that happens. Cause when I pick up and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, Hey buddy, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, <laughs> let's and all just calm exactly. down. <laughs> and I remember like he, he answered he answered the call like that and i was like you just got a phone call didn't you and he goes yeah yeah they they called they're a little bit concerned like how you doing and i was like dude i'm fucking great man i'm retired and uh and, you know he and i we had a good conversation and it basically ended with him saying like i think you'll regret this decision like i think you need to do one more for yourself 
And, uh, you know, obviously it wasn't like uh, decided in that moment, but, you know, started sat on it and like gave it some time to figure it out. And I said, okay, fuck it. I'll do one more. And, uh, and then, you know, the, that big decision of like, all right, I'm making some big life changes to accommodate one more season. And, uh, and then getting near the end of it and finding out it's a possibility that it might not happen. And I was like, I'm sitting there like motherfucker. If I made these life changes to, to compete for one more year and then I get to the end, the finish line. And it's like, no, you have to do another one. I was like, no. So, <laughs> and when you like, so you obviously, it was one more was the, the deal in your own head, I guess. So there was never a danger of say, uh, after like coming towards the games, be like, Oh, maybe one more. Like there was no, there was never a conversation afterwards. No one else said like, are you sure you don't want to do one more? You just kind of, it was always one more. So then once the one more was done, that was it. it. Yeah. Like, no yeah. Like the, the little while leading into the 2019 games, you know, I was like, all right, this is the last one, like finish it, finish it strong, you know? Um, and then the whole 2020 season was like, okay, like I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm excited for that light at the end of the tunnel, you know, getting all my ducks in a row to make sure that I was busy and occupied and satisfied, um, not competing that, I, you know, I just don't do well with idle hands. And so whether I'm putting that effort and that work ethic towards becoming the best competitor possible or outside, outside of the gym, uh, I just need to make sure I'm, I'm occupied and, and satisfied doing something else. So, you know, I'll, getting all those ducks in a row ready for all right, the day I'm done competing, I can jump into this, this new career and, uh, and just be f fully, fully consumed by it. Yeah. It's been like, so it's been actually remarkable to watch, uh, the transition from athlete to, um, I don't know what to call it because Dude, like, it's... You've got, like you've got, it's like an octopus or something. You've got so many different things on the go. The only thing that you don't have that I was like, he'll definitely do that is something to do with coffee. I was like, he'll definitely like build a roastery or something. That's going to be the first thing he does. And then when it was like, like uh, the podium stuff and I was like, well, pre-workout is happening. And I guess I can count that as yeah. being correct. And then, um, but like, so hard work pays off. Um, which as far as I know is the, is one of the few, um, what do you call it? Oh my God. What do you call it when the letters, when you take the first letter? Of acronym? No. Fuck. Uh, not anagram. Acro uh, is an acronym. Oh. Is it? Yeah. I think <laughs> fuck up a good acronym. Um, it's, <laughs> it's the, it's the only one that takes longer to say than the name of the thing. Anytime I say HWPO, I'm, I'm always in my head being like, it would have been faster for me to say the full nah, word. Nah, once, you, once you integrate um, it into your daily life, HWPO, you know, it just rolls off the tongue. But yeah, it yeah. takes some practice. Yeah. Or a hoopole. You could just do this, the sounds. Yeah, the, you, yeah the we, we contemplated that. Um, We're like, all right, when when do we, at what stage can we introduce a mascot? And I want to make, make a, like HWPO hippo. You know, I feel like we could do some fun <laughs> stuff with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, like a jacked hippo. Um, was this always in the back of your head, or like, say, like when you knew you were retiring, you were setting things up to, okay, I want to be busy, I want to do this, I want to do that, and then you had all these these cards that you kept close to your chest, I guess, um, and you you knew all the 
the programming that you've built up and all the you know you kind of had like a file of facts in your head of all the different things and like was this part of the plan to be like okay i'm going to release a program and that would keep me busy and then it grew legs yeah or was it a case that you were like fuck this i'm going to be a coach i'm going to like you know i'm curious as to what plan you had and how much was like just kind of running as it um so so once once i like knew our competitive career is done i'm moving on to other things um i would say i probably had six projects lined up immediately um you know things that i was like all right the day i'm done competing i can start working on these and and so i decided like all right i'm going to take two of them pursue them feel them out whether they're success failure whatever it is or get them set get the ball rolling and then grab another project um and and i i said when out of the six projects, I was like, all right, I'm probably going to have one here that will take off a little bit more than I was expecting. I'm probably going to have four that are just mediocre, don't really pull on any strings of passion, and they'll kind of fall to the wayside, they'll dwindle out. And then I'm sure I'll have one that is just an absolute belly flop failure. And and I was completely okay. With it. I was like, no, like, I'm taking, I'm pursuing new things. Why would I expect everything to go smoothly like no i'm going i'm going to fuck up that is a guarantee it's but it's just like my competitive career i'm going to fuck up on things but it's like all right let's take that mistake and learn from it go back to the drawing board and get better at it um and and so the the first two things that i kind of took off the shelf and started pursuing um took off more than i was anticipating and i was like ah shit like I was, I was kind of planning on like maybe moving on with these two things and then taking on something else and, and, uh, ended up just all, all the projects. Uh, no, no, I, no, that's a lie. Um, most of the projects ended up getting bigger and better than I anticipated and required a lot more effort. Um, but they also were producing results that I wanted to put more effort in. And, uh, so yeah, from, from what I was expecting, Expecting my day-to-day to look like to what it is is very, very different. Um, but it's it's all learning experiences. Um, it's just before I before I dictated my workday by how much energy I had, and I always ran out of energy. I never ran out of time. And now it's the exact opposite. Like when you work for yourself and you work from home, yeah. anywhere your laptop is and you have internet, you can be working. So uh, it's... Yeah. <laughs> It's eyes open to eyes closed every day. Um, like, did, was the plan, because like having watched you in interviews and stuff and watched you talk about like being an athlete and like your, um, I guess you were always kind of like vague or whatever about what your plans were yeah. after you finished competing. You were never very like, this is what I'm going to do. But I think in my head anyway, being a specific athlete's coach isn't something that I would have no. picked no, up. No, I, I actively, like I actively said I wouldn't coach. Um, yeah. So why, when, when did that change? Was there a moment that changed it or was it just like, was it because of who you met yeah. or how did that Yeah, happen? that one was, um, so, you know, obviously like, so Jason Hopper was the first um, and he didn't give me much of a say in the matter. Uh, you know, I, I met him before the games and stayed in contact with him uh leading up and and through the games but had 
no no coaching with him. And then it was after he basically didn't ask. He just kept hounding me of like, he's like, you're going to coach me. You're going to coach me. You're going to coach me. And so I was finally like, Jesus Christ, fine. You know? Um, uh, and then I honestly don't really remember how the specifics of working with, with Mal came into place. Um, I just know there was a weekend where I think she may have been in Boston and I had a whole group from Boston come up to Vermont just to hang out. Some, some, some of it was work, but mostly just hanging out. But like there were, I think I had 12 or 13 people here and, um, you know, everyone just training, hanging out, eating good food. And, and, you know, I just saw the potential that Mal had and, you know, how receptive she was to critiques and how eager she was to just, she was just a sponge. And, uh, you know, it just, it was such a natural fit. Her and I just click really, really well. Um, and so that's kind of how that came to be, but yeah, I never, I actively said like, no, I'll never coach. Um, and even with programming, I didn't know, like I had never done it before. So I didn't know if I would enjoy it. And, uh, and almost immediately, like I put out the first, first chunk of, of programming and I put my spin on it. I, with, with the members and was almost immediately like, Oh, okay. I want to double down on this. And so where it started as like a one man operation where I'm, I was doing everything for the program to realize like, all right, this is no longer manageable as a one man operation. I need to bring in a support, support staff and people to help contribute, bring in other points of view um, to help build this thing. And so it, it was a combination of my enjoyment level of it. It was received really well. People, the the ones that I've had contact with, love it. Um, and so it was like, okay, like this is something that I want to like double down on and go all in. Um, and so kind of the same as coaching. Um, you know, when I started dipping my toe in, I was like, ah, oh, we'll see how I like this. I'm not making any crazy commitments. And now it's like, okay, I'm going all in and trying to provide for for our athletes an atmosphere and and resources that are second to none so i'm i'm really excited for this season but then once once we're given some more time to to build what we're trying to build uh i am i'm fucking psyched about it when you talk about bill are you so are you talking about more than two games level athletes or well, I suppose three with Jay Kofi this year. Are you talking about more than three athletes? Or are you talking about the uh, no? I I want to go. I want uh, quality, not quantity. Um, you know, like like yeah. anything I do, if my name is associated with it, I want to make sure that it is my full, a hundred percent best effort. Um, and. You know, I want to be held responsible. If my name's associated with something, I want it to reflect that. Um, and so, so I, I just want to provide the environment that that I tried to have my whole career of like basically looking at it like I have this lab that I go to and nobody knows what I'm doing in there. You know, nobody. I just want to show up at competition and I want the narrative to be like, what is he doing? Like, he's he's winning and he doesn't post about anything. We don't know what resources, we don't know what he's doing. 
um, but it's something good. And so I want to try to provide that for my athletes of giving them, uh, you know, the gym, the resources, every accommodation possible to set themselves up for success. Um, but make sure that it's theirs. I don't want, I, I want to avoid that, uh, a gym getting diluted, um, because, you know, you have a couple athletes come out of that gym and then everyone thinks that that location is the secret sauce. And then there's this huge migration and everyone goes there. And then the, the people that originally made that beautiful atmosphere, that, that sculpted athletes, it's now ruined because it's, there's just too many people you know, the resources are now spread too thin and it's time management, equipment management, all these things. And, and, and so I, I just want to give those resources to, to the athletes and I want to give them everything as long as they're reflecting that. Like, I, so n- number one thing I keep saying to the people I work with, like, if you give me your full effort, I will give you my full effort. As long as I see, see it being reflected there, there's no limitation on, on what I'll try to give you. Okay, so you like you talk about uh, building. You actually, no, never mind. Um, okay, I'll start now. Right, so you you talk about uh, you that you did everything yourself, um, and that you were kind of you know in, you had all these hats that you had to put on, and that you had to do this and then do that, and then you know there was so much different things that you had to do, and then then you become now we're in this position where you've got like you know the best hair in CrossFit, yeah. like Jake is there, he's coaching mm-hmm. Jason, he's helping with the program and stuff. You've got Eric doing like a f- yeah. like phenomenal job with the media and stuff. You've got like, Sammy's obviously like a fantastic head on her shoulders at all the experience she's built up and the different jobs she's had and stuff. And now you've got Matt coming on as CEO, who I think if you asked anyone six days ago, I know, right? Yeah, the, 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 time, the time it worked out <laughs> so, to frame it so, up pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, what does he bring in your, I mean, first of all, it must be absolutely fucking amazing for you who like you mentioned like you got emotional talking about him earlier on about how he was there from day one and now you have this perfect full circle moment where you can bring some you can bring him in and it's like this perfect like yeah it was all worth it you know like to have this like amazing moment must it must be just incredible but like what is it what are the qualities that he has that you're bringing in saying like this is exactly yeah. what hwpo um, needs so so one, one thing i want to backtrack a little bit like when when i was saying like i did everything nothing in my CrossFit career was done solo. Um, when, when I was talking about the programming, it was like, I did everything in the sense of like, I had to decide, all right, what's the focus, what's the time frame, and then, and then doing the whole program all through at once. Um, but then when, once I handed it off, there were other people developing the app and doing all the data entry. Um, so I, I don't want to oh, take yeah, anything yeah, yeah. away from people that have helped me along the way. Like, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm at where I'm at today because I had a phenomenal team that crushed. Um, but I mean, O'Keefe coming on, I mean, it, it's, it's just full circle. Uh, you know, he, he was the first person that helped me in my career in terms of like on the business side of things. Um, you know, he was just a stranger that he owned a clothing brand that wanted to sponsor me. And then he, to do me a favor, was reading other contracts uh, just to help out. And, uh, and then we've all seen what he did. He started, he started helping out other athletes because he realized there was no representation for CrossFit athletes in the space and that athletes were getting taken advantage of 
really, really badly. Um, and so he started doing that just to help and then turn that into a career, um, started doing it, not just for athletes, but for brands. And then other brands started using him as a resource, uh, just for consulting. And then he went over to, was the president of loud and live sports, had all these competitions, blew them up to, to levels that we see today. Um, so, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's really special just bringing him in. You know, he, he's incredible at what he does. He's incredible at building phenomenal things. Um, you know, he was, he was the first person to tell me that uh, I could win, win the world championships. And, you know, at the time I was like, dude, you're fucking crazy. Like there's no way. Um, but he's helped me along the way. He's been, he's been in the trenches with me. Um, and oh, we all we all saw him lift you into an ice bath ass first in the eighteen documentary. So, dude, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it's the it's the stuff that the public sees, but then the stuff that's special to me is the stuff that the public doesn't see. Um, you know, it's the stuff that doesn't get talked about openly. Um, you know, it's the bad times, it's the sad times, it's the times that we thought it was all crumbling to an end. Um, so, you know, to be able to see what he's built on his own, um, just our, our time spent together, we we've traveled the world together. We've been through some of the best experiences, the worst experiences together, but we, we helped, we helped each other. Um, so, you know, just to continue, continue that journey, but now it's just a different, different venue um you know instead of him supporting me while i'm competing we're we're supporting each other and trying to provide provide the best business for for the people that are in our in our community um you know he's just incredibly business savvy he's incredible at networking and just being able to look 10 steps ahead instead of just like the the result of the direct actions that are happening now he, he's looking big picture and things that he'll throw ideas at me and I'm like, dude, you're out of your fucking mind. And then a week later, it's like starting, starting to get put together. And I'm like, Oh my God, how did you do that? You know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It was just funny. Like with the whole leadership change going on at CrossFit and then O'Keefe announcing that he was leaving his current gig. And the few of us knew what was happening, but I'm like, man, this is, getting teed up to yeah. look crazy yeah because even like i was messing a few people being like surely not you know like and then you could see the comments on all like, the chalk up stuff and all that was like keep the ceo and fraser is the new castro and it's just like i mean surely <laughs> not but yeah the the timing and the fact that there was he was uh i remember keith was like oh, i'm gonna announce something like next week and then like all week and nothing came and it was like well, fuck, maybe that's why he didn't announce it. You know, it's just the per the, the vacuum yeah. left, like, so much time for people to, like, speculate and stuff. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um. Okay, Uh. I was curious as well about you. So you were at the Games last year. You were at Wadapalooza. Uh, that was your, your, most, your most recent uh, outing, I guess. And we all mm -hmm. saw you uh, being thrown in at the deep end by Dylan, uh, demonstrating your handstand walks and stuff um, on the last day. Uh. Oh no, that 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 wasn't on Dylan. That oh, was really? on me. Um, yeah, just just because I know, you know, I've I've been fortunate to you know experience stuff like that from a competitor standpoint, 
but then I've, I've seen enough, um, you know, I, I see the room for error, um, when it's like changes happening yeah, yeah. on the fly from a situation that no one has control over. Um, and then like you see the huddle of judges and it's like one person's talking, they don't have a microphone. It's not being dictated and put into print. Um, it's like, it's on the fly and there's just a lot of room for error. Um, just like, and somebody's interpretation, like when Dylan says something of how the workout is, there's room for interpretation on things when it's being rushed like that. And, and so, so I literally stepped up, I grabbed O'Keefe. I was like, Hey, do you want me to demo this thing so that there's no room for error? I will do the workout per batum, Um, just so I, I literally looked at it. I was trying to trying to help out the competitors of like eradicating um, confusion, you know, I guess. Exactly. Just trying to, remove any opinion or self-interpretation of what the workout is meant to be. Um, and so I was just like, all right, if I can save a couple errors for an athlete, um, I'm all for, I'm here. Like, let me just do it. It was a short sprint workout and I didn't, yeah, I didn't kill myself doing it. It was just like, all right, like if I can help help ease this process of these last minute changes, I'm all here. Um, do do you enjoy going to those events? Not as a competitor, or is it like, is it kind of like, is there? Uh, oh, I fucking. Is love there it. any angst of like, oh man, I missed the floor. I miss like being out there. No, no, not not even, not a hair. Um, when 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 I make a decision, most times it's it's yeah. final. You know, I'm, um. I, I try to, I do my best to never make a sporadic decision. Um, you know, even, even when I think like, okay, this is what I want to do. I'll, I'll wait, you know, a week, a month, six months. Um, you know, like it, it's as simple as like, even like with making a big purchase, um, depending on what day of the week you catch me on, you know, by, I might want to buy something different, but then, you know, depending on the magnitude of the purchase, it's like, all right, if I still want this, this same amount in six months, I'll purchase it. I'll make, I'll treat myself. I'll make it happen. Um, I'm the exact same, um, exact same, except instead of six months, it's like six seconds, but exact same mentality. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, uh, Oh, I better wait and see if I want this. Fuck it. I still want it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I try to do that. Try to do that with, with most things so that, so that when I make a decision, I know, all right, this has substance to it. It has meaning. It is actually what I want. Um, and so when, when I go to a competition, it's nothing but excitement for, for my friends still competing. It's nothing but excitement of just being a pure spectator um, and watching these guys give it their all. Um, does it get any, does yeah, it get any less weird seeing, you know, like if you're going to, if there's a, a, a hard work pays off activation or a podium activation, does it get any less weird seeing a queue of like hundreds of people who are just like, I just want to stand beside you for like six seconds. Does it, does it, does that get normal? No, it's, it's pretty, no, it's pretty strange. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I, I don't, I don't view myself like that whatsoever of like, Oh, like, Oh, you definitely want a picture with me. It's like, no, like I, you know, yeah, it's it's a very odd odd feeling, um, but 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 I I try to not take it lightly, um, and, you know. And different people like me for different reasons, um, 
And so, you know, if there's something that I can contribute to somebody to help them through, you know, uh, an obstacle that they're going over at the time, or if they're just trying to get better at competing or, you know, there's people that come to me that, you know, obviously most people know me for, for what I did on the competition floor and they find inspiration from something revolving around that. But then you get people that are dealing with a back injury and they heard that I did it. And, and so you know, that, that's the reason they like me, that that's what relates to them. Uh, you know, students that are like, I'm currently um, pursuing a college degree and, and I'm trying to compete. And, you know, I thought it was impossible. Then I found out you did it. Like what tips and tricks do you have? You know? So wh- whatever the reason is, I try to, I, I try to take it seriously because that's what's important to that person at that moment. And, and so I try to just provide benefit to them however I can, whether that's, you know, taking a picture with them so that they can set as the background of their phone and always have that inspiration. Or if it's taking 10 minutes and having a conversation with them and helping them dissect a life problem that they're dealing with that I have dealt with, um, you know, whatever it is, Um, you know, if I can be a benefit to somebody, I'm more than happy to, but, but it is still very, very odd to me that I'm that person. Yeah, I remember talking to Jake um, when he was on and he was like, it's so weird being like kind of slightly known, but then seeing, be, being someone with Matt, he was like, it's really fucking weird because you're just a nobody. You're, you know, there's like, yeah, 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 shut up, just take our picture. You know, like he was like, it's really weird uh, scenario. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll finish with a quick fire. Um, so they're mainly either or. Um, so row or run? Mm, run um snatch or clean snatch a dumbbell or barbell barbell gymnastics or cardio cardio athlete you'd most like to work with in what sense coaching or learning either both or one of each (laughs) uh i mean coaching coaching i'm pretty happy with where i'm at right now um, I mean, through, through my whole career, um, there, there were certain athletes from other sports that I really, really wanted, uh, to try to have a sit down with and pick mm. their brain on certain things. Um, but yeah, none, none that pop into my head. You know, I kind of, I try to abide by never meet your heroes, uh, yeah. type situation, but um, the the few that I have, I've genuinely enjoyed uh, doing. But yeah, I try to limit that. Yeah. Um, Jake or Hopper? No, you don't have to answer that. We all know it's Jake. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, uh, thanks, man, for for coming on. It's been fantastic to talk. It's it's funny that you say never meet your heroes. Like this is, I was nervous before we started, uh, but it's one of the most enjoyable conversations I have. I think it's no surprise that you're surrounding yourself with such a good group and that things are working so well. It, it, like it doesn't surprise me at all that you were as successful as you were in your athletic career and that you're continuing that off the floor because I mean, there's, there's obviously a, a, a consistent trait that you have and it's, I think similar to what, uh, and I always refer to it, what O'Keefe says of do the right things for the right people for the right reasons. Yeah. And it just, it's paying off. Um, and the hard work is paying off as well um so yeah thanks a million for coming on um i really appreciate it it's been great getting to talk to you and we should do it again sometime thank you so much for having me man yeah like 
I, I'm, I've, I've been listening to your podcast for years. You do a phenomenal job. Like you grab great people. You're great at what you do. So um, I'm glad Thank I you. get to join, join the list of people who've been on. Yeah, that's great. Um, I wasn't expecting that. That's cool. Thanks. 